Hello and welcome to The Final Whistle. I'm Kenzie Benali. And I'm Steve Forbes. Well, it was a disappointing night at Turf Moor as the hosts secured a 2-0 victory over the Saints. And with us to discuss that one is former Saints captain Dean Hammond and Premier League reporter Paul Belverston. Uh, Belvis, we'll come to you first. It was a little bit of a hard watch at times, uh, but Burnley deserved the win. Yeah, you can't argue with that, can you? It was a really miserable night with the opportunity to move into the top 10 seemed so positive and especially you know the way Saints started the way Burnley started it looked like it could be a a, a really good night but then you know you've got a team there it, it's a cliche used so often that teams scrapping for their Premier League lives fighting not to go down Burnley showed real desire real fight have such good spirit the you know the tackle from Charlie Taylor on uh, on Shea Adams summed it all up for me they they really were throwing themselves into absolutely everything all over the pitch. And Southampton, for whatever reason, couldn't match them. We we sort of we were surprised by the the lineup and the formation beforehand. I know there's the 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 sort of the mantra you don't change a winning team. You know, very easy to to point the fingers now, but it, it seemed a strange decision beforehand and I think it still seems a strange decision now. So it'll be Interesting to see what the manager says in his press conference to to explain why why he did line up as he did against uh, Arsenal when it was always going to be a very different game. But ultimately, very very disappointing. Dean, what were your thoughts on that performance tonight? Same as 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 Belvis. Um, credit to to Burnley, to be honest. Um, played with a really high tempo, to be honest, and um, dominated the game. Did the basics better than. And Southampton and um, one more tackles, um, sprints, more sprints, one second balls, um, and more clinical in front of goal. Um, so credit to to, to Burnley. Um, like Paul mentioned, now I don't think the formation quite worked for for Southampton tonight, which is easy in hindsight. It, re- it really is when we analyse the game now. Um, but you look at the game as well for, for Southampton, the two headers from Oya Romeo in the first half where could be a different game. The two chances for, for Shea Adams, again, could have got one of those goes in, it gets Southampton back in the game. Um, so, you know, it's small margins at the, at the top level in, in the Premier League. But if Southampton and the players look at them, they, they were below par, to be honest, tonight. And they'll be disappointed with themselves after such a... Brilliant performance at the weekend. It, um, and maybe that had an effect on the performance tonight um, in terms of fatigue. Um, but Burnley looked hungry. They really did. They looked like they had a new lease of life. Um, the players looked like they wanted to potentially prove a point um, and looked like they had a bit of life back in them. Um, so some of the Burnley players yeah, and performed really well tonight. And as a team, they were very, very good and deserved the victory. So they've given themselves a lifeline and given themselves a chance. But... From a Southampton point of view, I think they'll look at that and um, an opportunity missed, really, um, because they started the game very, very well in the first five or six minutes, um, but then just couldn't capitalise on it. But credit to Burnley. Well, before we talk about the game in a bit more detail, here's how it panned out, courtesy of BBC Radio Solent. Welcome to Turf Moor, everybody. Again, seventh minute, corner to Saints, outswinger, and then a big header from Oriel Romea that's just over the crossbar. Oh. He met that perfectly. McNeil, he was allowed to get it on his left foot, he's been allowed again! Oh dear, he's hit a beauty with his left foot, curled it inside the far post. Oh, I think you're right Dave, it was Roberts, not McNeil. And then good play this time from McNeil, sends it to his right, Van Horst in the box, 
wants to get the shot away, he does, oh, it just about hits Forster on the backside. Now to McNeil on this right-hand side, Bednarek's out there with him, he crosses deep towards the back post, Veghorst plays it down, and Roberts almost gets a second chance, and Veghorst denied on the volley by Forster's brilliant reflex save. In comes the corner, right-footed, and it's hit, and another great save from Forster, another header, and it's off the post! Outswinging corner for Sampson, trailing by a goal. Warpress, booming header again from Romeo. Now this corner they've got to defend from the left. It's curled in right-footed. Free header, Nathan Collins scores. And they have double their lead. Right on half-time. Here we go, ball from the left from Redmond. It's a great cross and the volley from Adams. He's tipped over by Pope at point-blank range. Then he heads it back in. Now Adams gets a chance again. Oh, and the last-ditch challenge. And that's it. Southampton put out of their misery, and it really has been miserable at Burnley tonight. Well, let's talk about the start of the game, because it was was a bit of a, a strange start, Paul, and Dean mentioned chances uh, missed there. Southampton had five opportunities in the first eight minutes, but it really did seem like Burnley's goal spurred the home side into life. Yeah, it's remarkable. We could have been talking about the chances of an Oriol Romeo hat-trick after eight or nine minutes, which is, uh, well... Completely crazy, isn't it? But then, yeah, Burnley were very slow to get into the game. You know, the the first chance that Romeo had, he was completely alone on the edge of the box for the corner, had all the time in the world to direct his head, adjust a little bit wide. But then their goal, wow, I mean, it really sparked them into life. From a Southampton point of view, again, it was disappointing. There were shades of the lack of defending or poor defending against Chelsea. That's the way I was uh, uh, looking at it. The other, um, Because you can't give players time and space on the edge of the box like that. Now, Conor Roberts has only had three shots in the Premier League before tonight, certainly never scored. But what a finish, absolutely incredible. A little shift to the left and then curls it round. But, you know... <sighs> you've got to be tighter to him in that position. Surely everyone's got, particularly when you're playing five at the back, there, sh- there shouldn't surely be sh- uh, any shortage of bodies around there. But, you know, Jan Bednarek was a little bit on his heels when the ball was shifted. There were no one, no one else got near him either. And then Fraser Forster had no chance. And from that moment on, it was like going back to the last couple of games. The only reason Southampton stayed in the game as long as they did was because of the goalkeeper. A couple of those saves that Fraser made tonight were just outrageous. Again, the commentator said about the, uh, was it the volley from Jay Rodriguez, I think, that, oh, it was a nice height for the goalkeeper. It was still only six yards out and he connected with it brilliantly. He spread himself, he got across and he, he got strong hands to it. And there were two or three other remarkable saves and other chances that Burnley put wide and... Southampton didn't particularly look like they were going to get the second goal at that stage. And it, you know, that's the way it proved. Burnley went on, went 2 0 up, could have gone further ahead. If, you know, we the Chelsea game was so miserable, 6 0, could have been 6 0 at half time, let alone full time. It would have been hard to complain if Burnley had been three or four goals up at half time in this one. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a fair comment, isn't it? Uh, Well, Dean, we spoke about the physical battle before the game and obviously the second Burnley goal came from a header and there were several more headed attempts uh, throughout the match. Was that an area where Saints just struggled to match the hosts? I think so. I think if you you look at it, um, Beghorst, Tarkovsky, um, Collins, very dominant, uh, very aggressive in 
in trying to win that that first contact from the delivery from from set pieces and from open play and and crosses and Paul's mentioned there Fraser Forster again another very very good game made some brilliant saves and kept Southampton um, in the game at, at times but yeah um, you know Jay Rodriguez the volley uh, the header then from Vlekos where he should score really where he hits the crossbar uh, Dwight McNeil comes in has a strike. Uh, uh, Vekos has that one-on-one as well where Fraser Forster makes a brilliant save. So I don't think it was just the set pieces where Burnley were physically dominant tonight. I think their movement um, was good. Uh, the tempo they played out maybe caught Southampton by surprise. Um, and, and they played, they were a little bit different tonight, Burnley, a little bit cuter. They weren't just putting the ball in the box from from deep positions. They were getting into better positions. The wide players were coming narrow and getting shots in from the edge of the box. Um, the Dwight McNeil was playing on the right-hand side so we could come in, the fullback had overlapped. So there was a little bit of a difference to, to Burnley tonight, not just what we would expect from them where they put crosses in from whenever they can. Um, they built the play up a little bit more and maybe that caught... Southampton by surprise, if I'm honest. Um, but they just looked like they were just a half a yard ahead, I think, in their heads and in their bodies tonight than Southampton and just maybe wanted it a little bit more. Maybe it meant a little bit more to them in terms of the result, which will be, be a disappointment. Um, but they did have chances. But again, Fraser Forster was very, very good. Made some brilliant saves. So he comes out of it again with, with some credit. Ralph chose not to make any subs at halftime, Paul. But when he did in the second period, he brought off Moy and Stu and brought on Shea and Nathan Redmond. They did seem to have a, a positive effect on the game. No, they did. Yeah, I, I've never seen Stuart Armstrong so quiet. Um, Moy hadn't had a great effect on the on the game either. Shea Adams comes on and within 60 seconds, he's had as many shots on target as the entire team. He, um, he forced uh, Nick Pope into a... A cracking so good volley um, straight away. It's one of those where you'd love to see him direct it either side of the keeper, but, you know, connected with it well. And uh, again, there was talk, maybe he could have gone with it with his head. It's a split second thing, isn't it? And, uh, you know, he, he hit the target, connected with it very well. And then later on, there's that uh, challenge by by Charlie Taylor. There were, there were a few little sort of... Um, Annoy. I, I thought the second goal. You know, there's all that talk about Jack Cork. Did it? Did it brush his his leg and his his shorts? I mean, if you're if you're analysing so closely, I don't really understand. I know I I know the rules are uh, uh, a sort of uh, different these days, but surely he's in a in a position where he is interfering or he's active. If you're having to zoom in on the hem of shorts, and was Nathan Collins not pushing down on James Ward Prowse? to get that header in. But again, ultimately the better side on the night one and, and one comfortably. So as, as much as you can, you can pick out the little frustrations and the little positives overall, there wasn't a great deal positive about that Southampton performance, which is really frustrating after ending the, the losing run against Arsenal and, and with so many positives coming out of that to then bounce back the wrong way. If you like tonight, I, you know, we don't, just don't know what we're going to get with Southampton at the moment, do we? Because it's, uh, you know, the the curse of the mid-table team, I suppose. You go on these disappointing runs, you have fantastic runs in the season. And then also there's those those nights that you just can't explain. And that was one of those today, apart from obviously 
Burnley having so much more to fight for, I think that probably came through tonight. Yeah, it's certainly a roller coaster, isn't it? Uh, well, Dean, in terms of Burnley now, then, uh, they're now back within a point of Everton, although the Merseysiders do have a game in hand. Can you see Burnley staying up? Possibly. They've definitely given themselves a, a chance. Um, and with the performance like tonight, they look back to their old self. They look like the Burnley we we expect with that energy, that determination, that that togetherness. Um it looked like there was a really good atmosphere at Turf Moor as well. So the fans were very, very supportive um, to the players and, and the new manager that's in charge at the moment. Um, and if you look at the fixtures as well, Kenzie, I think they've got more favourable fixtures. If you look at Everton's next three, they've got Liverpool, Chelsea and Leicester. Um, and they finished the season against Arsenal. So difficult fixtures. And Burnley, they've got Wolves, Watford and Aston Villa in the next three. And then they finished their, their last game of the season at home against Newcastle. So it's going to be difficult to call, but they've given themselves a real, real chance with four points in the in the last two games. And um, if they, like I say, if they can play at that that tempo tonight and with that aggression um, from set pieces, from crosses, um, and the stats kept coming up during the game um, while we were watching it, and they was having a lot more touches in the opposition boxes. And if you do that, you give yourself a chance of scoring goals. And and that's been their problem like this this season. I think it was 26 goals they'd scored all season before before tonight, which is not enough. Um, but they look good tonight. So they've given themselves a real chance. And Everton would have been supporting Southampton tonight, <laughs> believe me. And, and they'll be frustrated and there'll be some anxiety because... You know, Burnley have been in this position before and they've got the experience to, to get out of it and Everton haven't. So it's going to be a really interesting end to the season. Well, let's hear from Ralph Hasenhutl now. Here's what the Saints boss had to say after the game. Yeah, um, a big chance in the beginning for us, not scoring the goal and then with the first chance from them conceding the first goal and um, after this goal, we haven't been there in the first half. No duels, no... In possession, not brave. Duels lost every. I think in the first uh, in, the, in the first half it was it was uh, far away from from what we can play. And uh, then after the halftime it was a little bit better. We had um, two big chances, but didn't score. And uh, yeah, then they defended with everything they had in the end and uh, deserved to win. Yeah, how strange was that shift in the game for you after about ten minutes? Because you'd started the game really well and and it looked really positive, didn't it? Yeah. It's a fragile thing sometimes, our mood, I think, and uh, this is uh, not understandable for me. Yeah, it would be some escape if Burnley beat it from the drop under Mike Jackson. Um, anyway, Saints move on to Brighton next. Paul, what are your early thoughts ahead of that one? I'm supposed to be able to react to that in a normal way, am I? <laughs> Had to lighten the tone in some form, didn't I? Uh, fair play. Um what was the question? Brighton. Yeah, yeah that's the next one. Dynamics a fair few times this season to see them, and they they play some fantastic football. They don't win very often at the Amex, though. Um, and last time out, they had about four hundred shots against Norwich, and it finished nil nil. They're a frustrating team to watch at times as well, just like Southampton are. Very similar in terms of their their poor runs, and then they go and pick up great results as they did just recently away at. Arsenal and Tottenham back-to-back, -back, of course. They will give Southampton a, a very tricky test, just as they did at St Mary's earlier in the season. They Neither side was at their best then, and of course it was a, a heartbreaking 
you know, hundredth minute equaliser from uh, Neil Mope, wasn't it? Uh, from a free kick. I think it's another game where if Southampton turn up at the Amex and play as they did against Burnley here today, then I can't see them picking up too many points then. If they play as we all know they can, it I can see them very comfortably beating Brighton. It's proving absolutely impossible to predict football results in the Premier League this season. You know, Arsenal scoring four at Chelsea last night and, you know, Brighton beating Arsenal and Tottenham back-to-back and all these things. It's, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to be someone who, who relies on gambling for a living because it's just impossible. But I would like to think we'll see a reaction from Southampton this weekend and a return to that genuine chance of surpassing the 43 points from last season. They only need four more points. And then overall, you've got to say it's a better season than last season. And, uh, you know, they can start that this weekend at the Amex. Yeah, that's exactly it. Ultimately, we just want a better last season and, and better that 43 points. And Dean, we've spoken about the importance of finishing the season on a high. Obviously, helps with momentum moving into the new season as well. Uh, what are your early thoughts on our trip to the Amex? Well, I, th- I agree with you, Kenzie. It's really important that Southampton finish the season strongly to, to build that momentum and confidence and belief going into, into next year. So I agree exactly what Paul said as well. Both teams can be absolutely brilliant, uh, but very inconsistent as well. So difficult to call what the game's going to be like. Both teams are very, very capable, play some brilliant football at times, create brilliant chances. So it could be a fantastic game. It could be a really open game. Um, both teams like to play football in, in the right way, um, you know, possession-based, create chances, get forward, be exciting, be on the front foot. So I'm looking forward to the game, but difficult one to call because you know Brighton had those two brilliant results against Tottenham and Arsenal, but they're very, very indifferent at the Amex. They just don't score goals at the Amex, and I don't know if there's a a little bit of a cloud over there, and they struggle um, with the home support um, and struggle to get victories there. So there's an opportunity for Southampton, and we'd like to see a response and a reaction from from that tonight, which they did after the Chelsea game against Arsenal. So, um, like I say, this is a young group who've been excellent at times this year and really um, entertained us. So I'm sure they'll want to finish the season strong, and that can start on Sunday. Yeah, I'm sure they will. Well, Dean, Paul, thank you so much for joining us this evening. And despite the result, always lovely to see you both. Um, Well, not what we wanted tonight, but at least there's only five games left of the season. And we march on to the Amex on Sunday to take on Brighton. It's a 2pm kickoff there. So we'll have another edition of Saints Live for you from 12.45. Try and enjoy the rest of your week. We'll see you then. Bye for now.